Welcome to the Badass CEO Podcast. This is Mimi McLean. I'm a mom of five, entrepreneur, Columbia Business School grad, CPA, and angel investor. And I'm here to share with you my passion for entrepreneurship. Throughout my career, I have met many incredible people who have started businesses, disrupted industries, persevered, and turned opportunity into success. Each episode, we will discuss what it takes to become and continue to be a badass CEO, directly from the entrepreneurs who have made it happen. If you're new in your career, dreaming about starting your own business, or already an entrepreneur, the Badass CEO Podcast is for you. I want to give you the drive and tools needed to succeed in following your dreams. Before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about a great company I found that takes the stress out of all the legal stuff we hate to do. CorpNet helps me out with all my incorporation documents, trademark searches and filings, and keeps me compliant for state and federal filings. CorpNet makes it super easy and is reasonably priced. I even have my own CorpNet representative to call on when I have questions. I wish I'd found this company sooner. I would have saved money and slept better knowing that I filed all the right forms for my company. To learn more, go to the badassceo.com forward slash corp net. Hi, welcome back to the Badass CEO. This is your host, Mimi McLean. And today I have on Alana Arnold, and she is the co-founder and director of operations for Last Crumb, where she leverages her previous marketing and brand growth experience to develop and execute operational strategies within the company. Last Crumb is a direct-to-consumer luxury cookie company filling a void in the market of baked goods. Prior to launching Last Crumb, Arnold served as a marketing manager where she had the expertise in the trend of selling through drops. Alana and her partner decided to leverage this trend and now sell their cookies through drops with their 125,000-person mailing list. To get your top 10 tips every entrepreneur should know, go to thebadassceo.com slash tips. Alana, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited to hear about your latest venture, Last Crumb. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to do it? I assume you left your company, your old job, to start this. Um, yeah, basically. So I first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I have always been in marketing. Prior to this, I worked for a marketing agency. I worked for a private equity firm that owned an esports company before, and I was doing brand management and marketing there. And that's really what drew me to this whole drop mentality for sneakers, for merch, et cetera. And it just fascinated me, people's dedication to getting something that they can't have. It was everything, the brand affinity. It's not just about the product. It's about the experience and the community and being part of something that's more than just a product. And that really, you know, it's it's emotional. And the drop makes it so much more. It's exciting, something that you anticipate, the hype, you share it with friends. And that's really what drew me to creating Last Crumb the way that we did. Um, it's all encompassing. Right. And so tell us for anybody who doesn't or has not been to your website, Last Crumb, like 
What makes your company different than just a typical consumer product? When you go to our website, you have to be on our email list and you cannot order anytime. You join our email list and we then tell you via email when our next drop is. Then you go to the website. Let's say it's at 5.30. You go to the website and you have a chance. It's basically like a lottery. You have a chance to order in the drop at that time. We do a limited amount and we've been selling out in less than a minute every week. And so that's the only time that you're able to order cookies. And then do you change the flavor each week or is it the same... We have one box that we've released so far. It's our core collection. We're doing a Valentine's Day special right now with just our chocolate flavors, but that's limited edition, which will end next week. But other than that, we've only released our core collection. At the end of last year, we did a members-only box, which we sold for $1,000. And those new members have access this year to our new flavors. And only members are able to try our new flavors For everybody else, we only have one box, no customization, and 12 flavors. So we talked to me because you worked in private equity. So you appreciate like the investor's point of view. You know, as an investor, I'm sitting here thinking, wait, like that's great that you sell out, but are how like are you leaving money like on the table as far as you know, inventory that you could be selling because it's just a drop and you can't get more? Or you would be selling the same amount in that drop that you would have if you had it open 24-7? Yeah, of course. I mean, sometimes I look at the numbers and you know, as a team, we kind of laugh and we do see the numbers of add to carts and how much that could have been if we would have left the site open for everyone. And it's just a part of the model. Um, we're increasing the number every week in relation to our demand. We increase as much as we can, but it's never going to be just open to the public. Will you ever increase the size so that you say, okay, instead of it selling out in how, how long you said it was quick, how, how long was it that it sold out? Sometimes it's 10 seconds, sometimes it's a minute. It's okay, really so, so say it say it's in 10 seconds, say it's a minute. Okay, we're gonna make enough so it lasts for an hour. Like, will you eventually get is there a time like at what point will you say, okay, this is how long we'll keep it like, you know, have enough inventory to fulfill? So it's kind of the opposite. We just continue creating more inventory and the demand's been the same. So as we increase, the number still is less than a minute every time because our email list continues to grow. We have over 125,000 people on our wait list right now wanting to buy cookies and that's growing every week. So I would assume, you know, it's going to continue to grow. We haven't done any marketing yet. That's crazy. Because I mean, as an investor, I'd be like, okay, you're going to (laughs) do enough to last you at least an hour. So like it drives your sales and you still keep that model, right? It's the same. It would be the same number, like whatever X amount that is, if we were to keep it open for an hour, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think it would be, it would end up being the same amount people, because we, the demand just happens so quickly. People are, you know, in such a rush to order to try to get these that it just happens really fast. Right, right, right. So it's interesting. So tell me why you picked cookies. Like, were you already like a, you know, a baker, or did you see that there was like that was missing? So I did think it was missing, but my co-founder is a really good friend of mine. We've been friends for over a decade and he's always been an incredible chef and cook. And he 
makes the best cookies I'd ever had. So he's been making these cookies for years and I've been eating them for years. And from day one, when I tried them, I thought they were the best cookies I'd ever had. And I toyed around and teased him before that he needs to do more and the world needs to try these cookies. And about two years ago, when the pandemic hit, we kind of got together and just realized now is the best time. And we got together and created this. I think it's a little different. You know, some people start and they have an idea of a product that they want to create. And for us, we already knew we had something really special and a very solid product. And then we created this brand experience around that. Right. And then how did you go about financing? Like, did you guys self-finance it for a little bit to get it going? Or have you had to go for outside financing? Yeah. So we self-financed and bootstrapped for a while. And we went back and forth debating if we wanted to raise. We had so many supporters that were with us from the very beginning. And we decided that We wanted to reach out to our network and we were able to be very selective. And we did this at a point where we already knew what we wanted to do with this money, where we needed it, and how this would best help us grow the quickest and most efficient. So we ended up raising a little over a million in just a few days. It happened. Yeah, it happened really fast. But we were super oversubscribed and we were really lucky that we were able to be selective as to who we wanted to invest. And it really came down to you know a combination of who we wanted to be partnered with us in the business and figuring out how we could best deploy that capital to be as impactful as possible to the business. Mm-hmm. And at what point were you like, okay, I can leave my job? Did you leave right away or did you stay around until you started having sales? So I stopped working for the esports company, I don't know, maybe six, six months prior. And I was just doing consulting. And that's when I was doing both at the same time. And I think it was probably around a year ago that things, or maybe it was a year and a half ago now that I really just focused full in on this. And we have a really small team. So it was a lot of wearing multiple hats. Mm -hmm. Our team is growing and it's crazy how fast we've grown, but our internal core team is really only, you know, it's a small group of us, but we're still, we have our defined roles now, but it's still a lot of everyone working together. And we were pretty busy in the very beginning and I was doing operations and stuff that I wasn't used to. So it came down, you know, immediately when we started to be in a full-time job. Right. And now you you accomplished something like having a, an email list of 125,000 and having a huge Instagram following. What advice can you give to people? Because that's really expensive. I mean, obviously, you have marketing background, but you know, hiring and marketing or a PR firm is super expensive, especially for startups. So do you have any advice for bootstrapping startups of how to get their name out there? I think what we did was really just stay true and authentic to the brand and who we are. And I think a lot of people in the very beginning don't know exactly who they are and their place in the market. And the quicker that you can find that out and really hone in on it, the better, the easier, the brand voice. Because if it's not, if you don't know, then your team doesn't know and it doesn't project that way to other people. So I think that's one of the main things I would really advise is like, make sure that you 100% know who you are and stick to that. 
Like, don't be afraid to be like, this is who we are. And of course, like it comes to a time we're all about the model, like test one thing and go in a hundred percent, be educated about it, but make sure you're, you're doing that well. And if things aren't working, we don't have an ego. If something doesn't work, we change directions and we fix it. And I think that's another thing is you have to be kind of malleable and understand that not everything's going to be perfect. And if not, you can't have the ego to spend more money and try to throw more money at something that's not working because that can put you down a rabbit hole of a wrong direction. And then you just spent a bunch of money and it's hard. I think with our social, that was one of the main things. We just kept producing authentic content and building this community. And yeah. I I think another aspect that making partnerships work and figuring out whose role is what, and if it's an equitable split or was that at all, like, do you have any advice to that? Like having a partner um, and staying in a good relationship with that partner? I think you have to be as clear as possible from day one. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I talked to a lot of other founders and friends who get in sticky predicaments with their partners because one assumed this and one thought maybe that. And I am a very like on paper, this is how it should be. And I'm like this with every relationship in my life. And I think the more clear and precise and really just setting the expectations of knowing, you know, things change, of course, but the more that you can do that ahead of time to set expectations, I think it just, it really helps in the future for your relationship. And it comes down to, you know, common respect for each other. And there's things that you can work out and figure out as you go along. But I think most of the basics and partnership agreements you can have laid out and figured out prior. Right, right. Now, what would you say has been the hardest part so far of your journey? For me, I think it's staying focused and disciplined on what we're doing right now. I'm the type where I want to go do a partnership and I want to explore all these creative avenues that we've had so many great people that have come to us and want to partner with us. And our team has so many ideas that I want to, you know, bring to fruition. And it's hard because right now, you know, we've, we've only been selling for eight months and we need to continue to just do one thing really well. And I think that's been the hardest part is just learning like anything that we do, we've kind of learned as a, as a team that anytime that we steer away from that, it's taking away time and effort and money where we could just be continuing to sell our product to the people who want it and doing that better and better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's great. I don't know if you know the statistic or not, but 1.7% of female founders companies hit a million dollars in sales. So I was wondering from your experience, from working with other companies and and from your company, what either are entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs doing wrong or what are the ones who are successful doing right? I think that sometimes women are just afraid to ask for help and don't utilize and tap into their network as much as they can. I truly believe, especially now, there's always someone who's willing to help you. And I think women need to feel more confident in themselves and really own what they believe in. Don't be afraid to ask for help and pros and cons of their business. And I don't know. I think that there's so many people, especially with social media and different blogs and all these outlets that people are really wanting and willing to help. And I think that's something that guys just do a little bit more naturally than women. 
It's funny. I read a quote popped up this morning, actually, which has always resonated with me. It was a William Golding post and he had said a quote and he had said, I think women are foolish to pretend they are equal to men. They are far superior and always have been. And I love that. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, now I look at women and I think that they're really persistent and don't take no for an answer. And if you put yourself in a position to succeed, even if we are working against the odds, you really just have to put yourself on the same playing field and realize that we can do just as much, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. It's true because I, I don't know the exact percentage, but I think it's like 79% of men have mentors and only like 40% of women. It's almost half. You know, why is that? Right. And just like dissecting that and figuring out like it is, I think it's women tend to feel like they can, they have to shoulder it all themselves and they don't want to show their cards and they don't want to look weak. But if you talk to men, they're they're using their network, like you said, to just ask for like, who knows who, who can help them or if they can't help them, who else that can help them? And I think tapping and building that network is super important. Yeah. And I think people, it's just really empowering. I, I look at women founders all the time and they just inspire me to be better. And, you know, I listen to some of their stories and it helps me want to ask these different types of questions and find different resources. And I think it's really helpful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything you wish you knew in the beginning that you know now that since you've started your business? Um, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that I wish I would have known back then that would have just helped optimize our process and go through the motions a little bit easier than, you know, but it's growing pains. There's not really one thing. Um, like most founders, when you start a company, I think you're wearing multiple hats and you're doing things. And if it was easy enough for everyone to just say, okay, we're going to have you do this and you do this and you do this and everything worked out perfectly. Like it just doesn't work like that. And I think if I were to know something now, it would have been, I don't know, just asking different types of questions and understanding how long the process might take. Like Derek's the kitchen expert, but when I'm in the kitchen and working with operations, I had no idea. I didn't know how long things took. I didn't know, you know, with operations and shipping logistics, how long is it going to take? And of course, we're admitted a pandemic, so it's a little bit harder to really realize what's going on. But I think there was just, I guess, stuff like that, that we could have prepared ourselves a little bit better for if I would have known, you know, a few of the right questions back then. Right. Right. It's like almost like building a house. Everything takes longer and yes. more money, like take whatever right. number, multiply it times two, your sales cut by half, you know, the time double it or triple. I mean, it's always like, no matter what, it's just, it, it seems easy on paper, but it's just not. <laughs> Exactly. And like kind of having these plans, like, well, I mean, we learn this quick, like what else can we be working on in the meantime to help make our experience better while we're, you know, waiting for this or while this isn't happening yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's true. Okay. So this has been amazing. Is there anything, any words of advice that you have for fellow entrepreneurs or female CEOs to help them in their process of being more successful or climbing through the ranks of their corporation? I think just be persistent. Really, if you're if you have an idea or an idea product that you believe in, I think that you should stick to your guns and do everything you can to make it succeed. Ask questions. Don't have an ego. Um, if you need to change something, and and really listen. I think that 
if you know you're talking to a bunch of people and you're getting feedback a certain way, although I wouldn't listen to everyone, but I would get a general consensus of like, if some people, if most people are saying this, then maybe you should look at things a different way and really just continue to reach out to other people and try to connect, use your network. What's your um, favorite flavor? Donkey Kong. Donkey it's Kong. banana cream pie, but blueberry is a close second. Wow. What's your partner's favorite? I don't actually know. I think I'm not sure what his favorite flavor. The chocolate is. one, gooey one, looked really good when I was looking on the website. Or lava. It's like a lava cake. It's yeah, it looked like it. I was like, ooh, <laughs> that one looks really good. Um, very good. I so ask him all the time. I'm like, you're not sick of cookies yet, and every time he just comes up with a better flavor. Like some of our new flavors, I know are going to be top favorite. Really? And does he come up with the flavors, or does he find ideas from elsewhere? Yeah, he comes up with all the flavors and we have a hundred flavors ready to go that which we may or may not release at any point in the next few years. Wow, that's amazing. And do you guys make this stuff in-house or do you have a you do you have a kitchen in house now? Yeah, so we make everything in-house. It's a three-day proprietary process. We have a secret butter. The way that we that everything's combined is perfectly so. Like when you take a bite, it's the right amount of sweet and salty and gooey, but crunchy, and it's honestly the best cookie that you'll ever have. Wow! And the drops are always different days. Yeah, mostly yeah. So you don't find out about the drop until you sign up for the the email yeah. list. You have to sign up for our email list, and we tell you when the drop is. You get a reminder email that day to let you know to log onto the website at a certain time. That's awesome. Well, this has been amazing. And um, I wish you the best of luck. I know it's like you're going to keep growing and growing. So I'm really excited for you. And thank you so much for your time, Alana. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Badass CEO. To get your copy of the top 10 tips every entrepreneur should know, go to thebadassceo.com forward slash tips. Also, please leave a review as it helps others find us. If you have any ideas or suggestions, I would love to hear them. So email me at mimi at thebadassceo.com. See you next week and thank you for listening.